Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 214, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we are going to dazzle and entertain you today because holy crap, Tuesday, March 8th in the NFL has been an explosion of news. I mean, I'm doing my radio show today, and I had, you know how it is. I mean, you plan out segments. And a couple of those, we just, well, so much for that. <laughs> yeah, maybe next time. You know, we've got to get into the Cowboys. They do end up using the franchise tag on Dalton Schultz. A couple of other little notes with the Cowboys as well. Demarcus Lawrence. Aaron Rodgers getting an extension, making him the richest player in NFL history. Russell Wilson has been traded. Calvin Ridley has been suspended for a year. I mean, it just doesn't stop with the NFL. All of that coming up. Plus ESPN Cowboys insider Todd Archer is on a podcast with us this week. And you had a story with a lot of inside information about something that I am familiar with in my family in the scary situation that Deion Sanders went through last year. That when the story and, and all the stuff behind the scenes that's going on with that, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. There's so much to get into. So before we do all that, Let's tell you about Greening Law. And as I always say, look, maybe you've been hurt in a car accident. Maybe you finally had that wreck that wasn't your fault and, and you don't know what to do. Maybe you've experienced malpractice from a physician or a hospital or you were injured on the premises of a business. If that has happened to you, you need to call the lawyers at Greening Law, 972-934-8900. Let them be your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies. Grinning law, man. They do. They make it do what they do, is what I like to say. Uh, if you're in an accident, doesn't matter what happened to you, where it happened, work, business, employment, doesn't matter where it happened. Call the folks at Grinning because here's the deal: it costs you nothing to pick up the phone, tell them the details of your case. Hey, here it is. What do you think? And they'll either say, Hey, yeah, we think it's a really good fit. We're glad to have you as a client, or Nah, maybe not. Good luck. Uh, but if they take you on as a client, <laughs> it's your lucky day. Because they grind for you, they work hard for you, they provide questions to answers you didn't even to the answers to questions you didn't even know was supposed to be asked. And they do it all, man. And they don't get paid until you get paid. 
That's right. It's a good and deal to me. The consultation's free. That's exactly what happened to me when I had my car accident. I knew I could give them a call. I explained what I was going through, what I was dealing with. They brought me on. I've been working with them for the last few months. You could be too. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, Offices, Dallas, Texas. Oh, the NFL. The NFL. And, and this is the time of year because the tag deadline comes and you know you're going to get some news and whatnot around the tag deadline. Some of the stuff coming out with the Dallas Cowboys now about a week away from the beginning of the new league year, which will lead you into free agency and all that. They have used the franchise tag on Dalton Schultz. We talked about this on a couple of our podcasts. I think we talked about it even with Todd Archer last week as a, as a real possibility for the Cowboys. The reality of it is they didn't want to lose him. And if he had hit the open market, who knows what some team is going to offer him. This keeps him in Dallas, and it tells him, look, the franchise tag is $10.93 million for a tight end. But every all the reports out there are saying that it, it, he's not going to play for that this year, that they want to get him on a long-term extension, and you figure out the four- or five-year deal so that you're not paying him $10 million a year. Sometimes the cars just fall right for you, bro. Sometimes they just fall right. I mean, let's keep it real. Dalton Schultz was a buster his first two years. Um, it just wasn't very good. Average at best. And then, and I respect him for this, man. No, no, no cap, all right? That's what the young folks say, Matt. It means I'm not lying, telling the truth, being honest with you. Okay. Five out of way from when your, your youngster starts to pull that on you. But what I love about Dalton Schultz, and what you got to really respect about him is Blake Jarwin got hurt. That created opportunity. He took full advantage of opportunity because Blake Jarwin had a brand-new contract. The deal was Blake Jarwin's our tight end, and uh, he's going to be our tight end for the next four or five years. When Dalton Schultz's deal is up, he'll, he'll go away, and we'll keep it moving with Blake Jarwin. Jarwin got hurt. He took advantage of the opportunity and took even more advantage of it this year, bro, and was, uh, he was really, really good. Uh, he's not a great player, but he's a good player. Some people think he are acting like he's a bad player. He's not a bad player. He's a good player who has some flaws. And this is the last thing i say as I hog the mic. Check this out, Matt. If a dude is not good blocking in space, guess what you should do, Matt? Not ask him to block in space. Go figure out another way. <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if that ain't what you do, quit. I'm trying not to cuss early in the show. Quit asking him to do it because that ain't what he do. He ain't no good at it. And it's okay not to be good at something. I mean, I'm not good at everything as talented as I am. <laughs> I think that's part of the problem, though, and that's where, because like a lot of Cowboys fans on social media today, and I know some of you that listen to the podcast that have tweeted at us, like, oh, what are they doing? I can't believe they're doing this. The reality of it is, again, they're using, they weren't going to tag anybody else. They're using this tag because they want to work out an extension with Dalton Schultz. I would be shocked if he makes $10.9 million a year, but we'll see. Um, It's... but you're right. Yes. The problem for me is if you're going to pay him that type of money, then you need to be a higher level tight end offensively or you need to do something really well totality wise. And I don't know that he's either of those things. No, he's dude. It's when I say the cars fall right. I mean, they just fell right. He had a good season, not a great season, but he had a solid season. Really good. He, he made some good plays because, again, he's a good player. But part of the reason why he's getting this deal is Blake Jarwin ain't coming back because he had this hip thing that, that puts his career in jeopardy. And so I really think they look at it and like, okay, 
when they cut Blake Jarwin to do whatever they're going to do with him, I think that clears like $5 million on the cap. So I think they're looking at like the tight end room. Okay, with him and Jarwin, we were going to pay this much. Well, it doesn't matter if we pay that much to one guy. We pay that much to ten to three guys because the other two guys they bring in, whether it's a rookie or whether it's a street free agent, they're going to be making a minimal. And so I think they looked at it as we wouldn't ordinarily do this, but with Jarwin probably not going to be here. In my mind, it's not so much that I'm paying him um, $10 million. I'm paying him more like five or six because that other money was earmarked for Blake Jarwin. Yeah, and I got to say, and I'm surprised by this, but last two seasons, which is when Jarwin got hurt and Dalton's been doing his thing, you look at the last two seasons in the NFL, he is fourth amongst tight ends and receptions with 141 behind Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and Darren Waller, fourth in the last two seasons in receptions. Then you look at it in yardage, he is, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh in yardage. Two yards behind Gronk, but behind Kelsey, Andrews, Darren Waddle, Kittle, and Mike Gusecki, there's Dalton Schultz sitting there, and he's gotten 12 touchdowns in the last two years. Only five players at the tight end position have more than Dalton Schultz in the last two seasons. So when you look at it, even statistically the last two years, he's, he's been one of the top five or six tight ends in the NFL, which is, I, I don't think I would have guessed that. I'm trying to tell y'all, he's been a good player, and he pretty much was getting six catches for 60 to 70 yards every game uh, this year. Uh, now, the question is, uh, is he the recipient of people not – like, I don't care if Dalton Schultz catches a ball because he's not going to kill me. Um, so we'll just let him do that. I mean, it's like a, you know, a bad NBA player scores 24 points a game because, like, okay, you're all they got. Okay, you can get those. We just won't let the other guy score at all. Somebody got to score. Uh, so we'll find out this year without Amari Cooper there yeah. whether he's just kind of the re- benefit of, you know, everybody else is – nobody's paying attention to you and you catch the ball and so you make some plays. But I think it's all debatable. I don't think we know the answer to that question. And so uh, let's, uh, let's see how it goes, man. But um, um, Dalton Schultz is a good player. He's not a great player. Don't expect the money to make him a great player because he's not. He's a good player. Uh, but he's a useful part. Um, I think Ed Werder raised an interesting point today on Twitter. And it's, to me, one reason why people are, are going crazy over this Dalton Schultz uh, franchise tag. Like, don't nobody think Dalton Schultz is the best offensive player on the team, but you're paying him $10 million a year, essentially, yeah. for now. Whereas you let one of the best offensive players on the team go for $20 million. Like, it doesn't make any sense to to franchise Dalton Schultz and then let Amari Cooper go, which hasn't happened yet, but we all expect to will happen. And I think people are having a hard time wrapping their head around why is Amari Cooper got to go because we can't afford him, but we're spending all this money on Dalton Schultz, who most people seem as just a guy. Well, in just doing this real quick, as I mentioned, fifth in receptions in the last two years, eighth in yards, sixth in touchdowns by tight ends. If you look at the money, and let's just say that that they stay at the 10.93 number, there are only, believe it or not, he would be the seventh highest paid tight end in the NFL, right where his numbers the last two years say that he is. Because you've got Kittle, Kelsey, Dallas Goddard, Mark Andrews, Hunter Henry, and Jonu Smith, 
are the six that are ahead of him. And then Njoku and Gusecki also got tagged. So Schultz is right there tied for the seventh highest paid tight end right now in the NFL. And I just told you his numbers over the last two years, fair or not. Does he do anything really great? No, but you could make a case if you're Schultz's representation and say that's he's performing at that level to get paid as the seventh best tight end in the NFL because that's what he's been the last two years. And Amari Cooper, the point would be, he's getting paid way above the level of performance that he has given you, fairly or unfairly, and we've gone through this multiple times in the podcast, whether it's his fault, the offense's fault, Dak's fault, whoever's fault it is, the reality of it is the production you are getting from Cooper is not on par with the amount of money you are paying for him. No, and it ain't real complicated. And so that's why it is like that. Um, Now, you know, Doug, somebody hit me up today. I'll go back and find out who it was. And he's like, you can find Dalton Schultz in the fourth round. You don't need to pay that guy that kind of money. And I was like, no, nah, that's not really true, bro. Now, and then I said, yes, they drafted him in the fourth round. But you just said you can find that guy in the fourth round. You put Dalton Schultz fourth round rookie and he's your starting tight end. You're going backwards. That's hustling backwards, as my man Bomani Jones would say, bro. You don't want to do that. What you're talking about is fourth-year Dalton Schultz drafted in the fourth round. That guy, okay, fine, you can win with him. But a, uh, a tight end that you grab in the fourth round and start him, the odds of him being a difference maker are slim and none. Yeah, very true. And You just don't do that at the tight end position, which is why it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I, I've never thought Dalton Schultz was anything special, and i got to be honest with you, like I'm, I'm stunned at where he ranks statistically over the last two years, I mean, again, that's 33 games worth. That's 33 games that he has played in the last two years, and he's fourth at the tight end position in, in receptions. They've been using him, and he's been on the field. So if you want that level, I guess that's what you're going to have to pay. I'll be curious to see what the long-term deal is. The other thing with the Cowboys is the Demarcus Lawrence report, and I, I'm not surprised, I don't think anybody is, that he turned him down, that the Cowboys – asked him to take a pay cut and he said no and generally speaking when a franchise comes to you and says hey we need you to take a pay cut that's the or else scenario where it feels to me like there's a really good chance Demarcus Lawrence is going to get released I just (laughs) I'm trying to wrap my head around it bro Uh, it feels like that if he didn't want to take the test if he didn't want to take the pay cut now maybe Maybe, just maybe, they were like, maybe he'll take it if we if we act like it's not a big deal. Let's throw it out there and see. But I'm here to tell you, man, I just I don't know what Dan Quinn would do if you go, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take the we're not bringing Demarcus uh, Lawrence back, and yeah, we we intend to to sign Randy Gregory. And the problem is, whatever you think you're paying Randy Gregory. He's not an idiot. Once you get rid of Tank Lawrence, he's like, oh, my price just went up because y'all need me now. And this is business. This ain't personal. And so I don't know, man. They're doing some weird things. I'm going to tell you this. I don't know how a 12, you know, I don't know how a 12 and 5 team gets rid of two of their better players and says, oh, who are veterans and says, oh, we're going to be better next year because the shit don't make no sense to me. Yeah, I, I, this is really, really weird. And, and I was trying to find on Twitter, a couple of people have kind of had this idea, but it's like, for instance, apparently they, I can't remember who it was, but somebody tweeted out earlier about Cedric Wilson and how the Cowboys are surprised 
Now it's expected that they won't be in on Cedric Wilson because the market is higher than they expected. Exactly what we heard about Michael Gallup. Now we're hearing it about the punter, Brian Anger. And I know it's just a punter. I get it. It's just a punter no, who cares. That dude was good, bro. But he set a franchise record for net average in punt yards last year and made the, made the Pro Bowl, his first career Pro Bowl. But now because the market for what he did, because he was really good, is higher than the Cowboys expected. So they're out on him. And sometimes I just sit here and go... Who the hell is running this damn thing where you guys can't figure out that this level of production and that on the open market, you're not getting discounts on your own damn players? Dude, what it is, I, you know, I still think some of it is, uh, is arrogance, man. Uh, because you can't be that out of touch with, like, Michael Gallup. You and I... Who don't get paid to do this in terms of understanding NFL contracts. We don't get paid to do that. We sat up there and went to overthecap.com, looked up the salaries, and in, a, in about two or three minutes while we did it on air said, oh, Michael Gallup, uh, let's see, he's, he's not as good as these guys, but he's, you know, Cortland Sutton's probably the ceiling, man, and the floor is, you know, Nelson Aguilar or somebody like that. Yeah, bro, he's probably somewhere between 12 and a half and $15 million a year. Yeah. And the Cowboys are like, oh, I'm sure we can get him for nine. Like, the fuck are y'all doing, man? What are y'all smoking? I mean, it ain't legal in Texas. Maybe they're taking Jerry's plane and going to Vegas and uh, smoking some of the good stuff there. Uh, but it doesn't make any sense. And these are not the cheerleaders who are like, oh, being a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader will boost my career. And so I'll work these games for $15 until, yeah. you know, I get some great opportunity. Nah, bro, it don't work like that. Yeah, and that, that's what's so frustrating about this franchise. When, when you paint the picture of all of this, and it's it, – why did you think DeMarcus Lawrence was going to take a pay cut? Like, they seem surprised about that. And now he's telling you, no. So now you've got to make the decision, what do you want to do here? This whole thing with Amari Cooper, that you decided to pay him that level, and then you decided not to find ways to get the benefit out of him – for what you were going to pay him. And, and that's where all this just gets so damn frustrating with this franchise. And it, it seems to be, and we kind of joked about this with Chill last week on the podcast, but the way they approach putting this thing together, sometimes you wonder, well, why would you expect anything different? You keep trying to bargain basement this thing. You, you identify a handful of guys that you want to pay, and then you try to bargain basement everything else. And that's what they've done for years. And we're seeing it. It's the exact same repetitive cycle again this season. Yeah. And we'll see. But see, I'm going to make a nuanced point that I don't care if they do that, but now the guys that you signed to the big deals, you're like, oh, now we can't afford them. Well, you can't have it both ways, bro. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you're either going to have a top heavy roster with young guys or you're not, but you can't have a top heavy roster and then go, oh, well, now we, don't, we can't even afford the top heavy guys. We're just going all young because that, that is what um, what ends up having you uh, having you know seasons that, yeah. that end in, in real disappointment. Yeah, man, and that's where the frustration sky high on this, and and it's going to be really interesting to see, and we'll learn these answers over the course of the next week. If Cooper is for sure gone, which we believe that he is, are they going to be able to get Michael Gallup taken care of? Is Demarcus Lawrence going to be off this team and? You know, some of these guys, once they get to the open market, like like Randy Gregory is another great example. 
Oh, he'll probably take a home. Uh, we've been right there with him the whole time. We've we've really supported him. Okay, maybe he values that, and maybe he's willing to sacrifice money, or maybe some other team knocks him away, and he's just trying to get rich for the first time in his life. Well, yeah, I mean, people. I mean, th- business goes both ways, man. And I told you, and I wasn't being flippant. I was I was being real. They didn't hold on to Randy Gregory out of some some sense of benevolence. They held on to Randy right. Gregory because they're like, he's a 12-letter cuss word mm-hmm. if we could ever get him off that stuff. Well, they got him off that stuff, and uh, he's playing great. And so, you know, Randy Gregory, is this is the only time in his career he's going to get paid because he, he smoked away those other two years and yeah. career has stopped and started and stopped and started and all that. So you're not – he's not, he's not going to hook you up, dog. Now, if, if you're offering him $10 million a year, might he take nine and a half? Okay, yeah. But – if he's getting $10 million a year, he ain't going to take six or seven from y'all. I've just become, and I don't know why, it's a frustration every single year. It feels like we go through the same song and dance and all of this. But it's sometimes you just wonder, and maybe you're right, man. Maybe it's arrogance. Maybe it's, well, you get to play for the Dallas Cowboys, and there's so many other things that come along with being a Dallas Cowboy, which sometimes is true. Sometimes that does happen. But at the end of the day, you also have like Randy Gregory, for instance, is a guy who in his career in the NFL, like you talked about, smoked away a couple of his years. In his career, Randy Gregory has made $6.8 million. Right. In his career. So the Cowboys are thinking, oh, we, oh, hey, you know, we'll give you $7 million a year. And I don't know that they're thinking that. But then again, all it takes is one other team to come along and go, man, we've seen your flashes. We'll, we'll pay whatever it takes to get you here. And then we'll hear the report, Cowboys are surprised at the market for Randy Gregory. Like, what are you guys doing? I, that's the point where now with, with Gallup and, and Cedric Wilson and, and Brian Anger, and knowing that you're going to lose some of these guys, it, and it goes back to what we've talked about ever since the end of the playoff game, that they had it all right in one season, and now it feels like a lot of it's going to fall apart, and you just wonder how the hell they'll keep it together to be as competitive as they were in 2021, going into 2022. Hell yeah. And that's where the damn frustration this whole thing is, man. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's just, it is. It's ridiculous when you see, you know, you see a team like Green Bay who's 20-some-odd million dollars over over the, the salary cap, is able to, to whether, and Aaron Rodgers says it wasn't 50, we'll, we'll figure out what it is. But if it's the reported 50 million a year, and then they turn around and franchise tag Devontae Adams, if you want to keep guys, you can keep them. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things, we'll ask Arch about it, is they seem incredibly concerned about the future, which makes sense to some degree. But to me, man, it's like living. Like, what good does it do you, Matt, or does it do me? Okay, I want to make sure I got enough money when I'm old. Yeah. So I'm just going to save all my money. So I get to be 75, and I've got uh, 17 million saved up, and then I die at you know 75 in, in a month. You know, you gotta you gotta always be able to figure out how do you save and how do you live. And the Cowboys seem to be like it's it's more about we got to make sure we're not we we got a job when we get older. Nah, bro, you need to go try to win now. Um, worry about the within reason. You, that doesn't mean you have to be uh, reckless, but it's about winning now. The league has turned into a year-to-year, a year-to-year league. Yeah. It's no longer you got five years to build a team. It's you have a year-to-year window to go win it. 
Yeah, and, and I think that that's where they're at right now, especially if you believe in Dak, and this is why you paid Dak, I thought, because you believed in him, I would be more willing to say, hey, you know what, five years from now, we'll figure it out, but we need to go all in right now while we've got this dude. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, why the hell did you pay him 40-something million dollars a year? There you go. F this team. Woo, boy. Sometimes I mean that, sometimes I don't. Well, and I think today I mean one, it. Which you okay. I think today I mean it, but I think tomorrow I'll probably like, no, I love you. Come back. <laughs> and then Steven and Jerry will just sit there and, and, and rub their hands together as they siphon out my bank account. Good for them. Dude, Although, to be fair, I don't know if I've given them any money other than just watching their games. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the block. And we've got some fun things to discuss here because you had texted me something, and we'll just throw it into the block here about what do you do when you go out with a group of people and you're going to split the check? Well, it came up because I was having a conversation today and a friend of mine was like, oh, I always tell him if it was a group like that, I was like, before, before the waiter or waitress comes, I'll be like, I'm not going to eat that much, so you guys can split it. I got my own check over here. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right. Uh, because this person was like, you need to let it be known before everybody starts ordering what your thing is, regardless of what the group is doing, what your deal is. And I said, yeah, you could do that, but that's because you got this whole kind of alpha mentality, and everybody's not like that. And and uh, here's where it came up for me, Matt. I was like, most of the time, if I'm in a group like that, I just decide I'm just going to order whatever I'm going to order because I know they're going to split it six ways, and the last thing I want to do is order a side salad while somebody else is ordering a tomahawk steak. Uh, because some of these names will be familiar to you, Matt. I was covering high school basketball, state tournament. I'd been at the morning news for about a year and a half. And there was a break in the action. And you'll never believe this, Matt. The great Kevin Blackstone, who you can see on Around the Horn and other ESPN ventures, around with local legend Chris Arnold, said, hey, come out to dinner with us. Y'all want me to come out to dinner with y'all? Great! And we went to some fancy Italian place in Austin. And uh, now, you know, I'm not really a big drinker. They're ordering bottles of wine and they're clams, appetizers. Dude, I know what I'm on. I I ordered some spaghetti, bro. And the bill came and you know what happened? Ha! Let's just put this three ways. Everybody put your card out, man. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Had I known that... I, I would have done something. So, make a long story short, man, I got back to the office the following week. I turned in my expense report. I walked into the boss's office and said, before you even look at my expense report, here's the situation. I got trapped at dinner with Blackstone and Chris Arnold. I literally had a bowl of spaghetti and some water. And the bill came, and they said split it three ways. And that's why my bill is like $85 back in 1990-something. And he was laughing. He said, hi, they got you, young fella. It happens from time to time. Don't worry about it. You know, it, it's, it's one of those three. It's one of those situations in life, and I've had this happen to me as well in a couple of different ways. It pisses me off. And oh, does it? It does. And I've, like I told, at one point, I didn't say anything because it would have been inappropriate, and I was just pissed and, and dealt with it later. But I've been in situations like that before where I've gone out with people and they ordered a bunch of stuff. And like the waiter comes in like, oh, no, everybody's just throwing a card. And I've been like, why would I'm not doing that? 
like, why not? I was like, because I ate like $8 worth and you guys have like $50 each. Why would I pay 40 something dollars for something I didn't eat? <laughs> now, I was at one thing and, and I'll, th- this is something I was pissed. We went and I'll, I'll try to not. Well, I don't think anybody pertinent listens, but the people that do already know about this. So we were out one time and we're going to see a family member and we were told we're going to have dinner at this really nice place, but this friend of mine is loaded and so he's just like paying for everything, so don't worry about it. Because I was like, well, neither one of us really wanted to go there, one, and it was going to cost more money than we were comfortable spending. And so I was like, okay, but, you know, I, and they're like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Like, they'll pick you up. It'll be fine. So we're going, and, and this I, this only time in my lifetime I've ever seen this. We meet these people for the first time ever who are friends of a relative of the lady. They order everything on the menu. I'm not kidding you. Every, well, you, I'm, it's the only time I've ever seen this in my life. The dude ordered everything on the menu. And now there was probably 10 people. So you order everything on the menu, you're splitting it with 10 people, right? Right. So they bring everything out and we're all eating. And and I'm trying, like, you know, I'm like, oh my God. Like, I don't like being paid for in situations like that a lot. So I was barely eating anything. And they're like, no, come on, dude. Like, it's fine. At the end of it, they they bring out the bill and it's, I mean, it's something like a couple thousand dollars. Oh, wow. And everybody, like the guys are putting their cards in and I'm just sitting there and one guy turns to me and goes, you got a card? (laughs) And I find out later that they were expecting the men were going to pay and that the women who showed up didn't have to pay for anything. And I was pissed. And it, it, because I, I did not eat much at all. And I ended up, I think my cut was like 200 and something dollars that I was, that I was not planning on spending. And I was, right. and I did not know these people. I've, I've, I've never seen them since. Never seen them before. And I was like, this, that situation was such bullshit for me personally. And that's the type of like stuff like that should never happen. That's ridiculous. Right, right, right. And I still think that, like, when you go out to eat with people, I think it's like certain people. I feel like that make a certain, and it's not everybody, but it just seems like some people that make a lot of money just assume that everybody can live like they do and can go out and do stuff like they do. And I've said it like before, like I've gone out with people who I knew made a lot more than me. Like, Hey, you know, I I can't really afford to go do that. And they're like, well, don't worry about it, dude. We got you. I'm like, no, I don't want you to get me like, that's just out of my price range. And like, for real, it's totally cool. We got you because we want you to come along. And I make sure going in, okay, you know, if you guys are fine with that, because I mean, it makes me feel awkward and it's just not my thing. I don't have the spare 300 or whatever to do this. And like, don't worry about it. And and go ahead. It just, because it goes both situations where I've tried to be like, you know me, I mean, I don't mind saying something, but in that situation, it would have caused way more problems if I'd spoke up at the time instead of having conversations later. And I've got a friend of mine, uh, because this also came up in the discussion we we're having today, is uh, and he he he's I wouldn't call him rich, but he makes a lot of money. Um, and he said he got to the point where he tells people when he makes the invite, like, "Hey, we're going out here. I don't want you to have to worry about anything. It's on me. Trust me. I want to do it. You know. So come on out and have a good time, and don't even worry about it." And he said he did that so people wouldn't feel awkward, like I can't go or I can't afford it, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think, uh, that can make dudes feel somewhat uncomfortable sometimes 
But I think it's okay because it's okay to let somebody bless you with something that you wouldn't ordinarily right. experience. And it's not like, you know, it's just okay to let somebody who's doing better than you now bless you with something. And you have to get over your own pride and your own ego. Um, I compare it a lot to lifting weights. Like you're lifting with somebody and, I, and Matt goes and puts 315 on a squat rack and does it. And I feel like a chump because I'm squatting 135. Well, I'm squatting the best I can squat. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that has to be good enough for my own ego. And so I was talking to the same guy this morning, and he's like, yeah, man, my goal is to save 30000 a month. And I started laughing. And he said, what are you laughing at? I go, because my goal is to save 2000 a month. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little different. And, 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 but I said, I said, but we're still going in the same direction. I go, because if I told somebody I was saving 2000 a month, they would be laughing going, oh, my God, I'm trying to save 50 bucks a month. How are you doing that? And I go, so it's all the same. It's all relative. Everybody's just trying to do the best they can. And if you got a friend that you're tight with whose pockets are a little fatter than yours, it's okay to let them bless you here and there. And it's, it's not a big deal. Yeah, like, like I don't have a problem with that with people that I know well that, right. that do f much better than what I even do. You know, and they'll be like, hey, I got you, man. I'm like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, all right. Because I know that they're cool with that and that they can afford it and it's not a big deal to them. Right. And you then know? I think it rolls both ways, though. Sure. Like, when, when I'm mentoring people or I'm giving some, or I'm going out with a journalist who's younger than me who's just getting started, I almost always say, I got you. Don't worry about it. And then I tell them later, you know, 20 years into the business, when you're out with somebody, you right. go take care of them. Um, you know, it's just, you know, a little give back thing. Yeah, and I try to do the same. Like, like one of the guys that helps out with the show, we met his fiance and him at a brewery and I bought their beers, you know. But, but again, it's right. like 20 bucks, but I thought, you know, it's a small little gesture. 20 bucks to me is not a colossally huge deal. And for him, you know, that 20 bucks, man, wow, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. You know, it's a little different. And that's kind of like the same thing. Like $200 to me is a chunk of change. But to right. some people, $200 may not be as much. It's like a $20 thing. And so I understand that. But that that one situation with total strangers where it yeah, was, bro. that was so ass backwards screwed up. <laughs> and I, you know, old me, I probably would have just flipped my lid and caused a scene. But I just said it and I was trying to be cool and just express my extreme displeasure later <laughs> to the parties that needed to know about it. But oh, I bet you did. I mean, it's just one of those things, man. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I think I don't like being surprised in those types of situations, especially, you know, because if we're all going to pitch in, then it's what it is, and I'm going to order what I want. Otherwise, right. I may just sit there and be like, you know what? I'm just going to order a little bit because I'm not really hungry and I don't feel like paying $25 for this when I can just be cool with the $8 whatever. Right, right, right. So that's no, just I, how that I got is. You on it. The other note that you sent over, and I wanted to bring this up, is we have hit the 25-year anniversary. It was on Monday, March 7th, 25 years ago, the Howard Stern biopic Private Parts was released in theaters. And... Many people, I love Howard Stern, and he brought talk radio and what talk radio can be in a lot of ways and opened it up to things that people just never did before. And, and I get a lot of people don't like him, and I understand that. He's gotten, he has mellowed way out as he's gotten older, and, and he even talks about this on his show now, that he looks back at the way he used to be at some points and just cringes and, and wishes he had learned things earlier in life. But I, to this day, like, I, I think Howard Stern is the greatest interviewer that exists right now. How come? 
he has these long form interviews. So part of it is just he has on Sirius XM, he is not stuck into a break. He doesn't have a finite time. He can interview somebody for an hour and a half if he wants to. And I think right. that that allows them to have a much more conversational where I know you're here to talk about a movie and all that, but for the first hour, I want to explore your life and ask you all these questions. And then he brings up the movie and does things that in a lot of interview situations, you just don't have the opportunity to do. He's extraordinarily well-researched. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear his interviews where somebody goes, how did you know that? Or like, who told you that? And he's like, oh, I'm, I have my ways. But I think that a lot of these big time stars and whatnot, they respect what he's become. And some people who probably never would have done interviews with him before, I mean, now he, he is an A-list interview interviewer and basically anybody he wants to interview, he can get on a show and they'll sit and talk to him for an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, um, it's amazing because they also, you know, because he has, he's had, he's what I call a, you know, don't give an F interviewer. You know, he'll ask you whatever, whenever, right, however. Yeah. And when you sign up for that interview, you know that. And so you don't get offended. You expect it. You're probably insulted if you don't get it. And so you're open to that. And so it makes for a, uh, you know, for, for a terrific interview. Now, the movie, I saw this in theaters. It came out when I was a senior in high school. And, you know, this is before I knew that I wanted to do radio, 1997. And I, I didn't really discover that I wanted to do radio until 1998, like about a little over a year after this released. But I always thought that the journey, and he portrays this in the movie, his early life and how he bounced around in radio and he was trying things and he was doing creative stuff that was frowned upon. That people like, no, 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 that's not what we do here. Just do this. He's like, well, that's boring. I mean, nobody wants to listen to that. And he would try to do different things and how he met Robin and brought her in and all that. And so it's actually a really good movie that tells an interesting story. And it's got, you know, Fartman is in it and it's got a scene where a chick rips off her shirt and is having an orgasm on a speaker that he tells her to like straddle and all that type of thing. But, you know, it, it really tells the story of the king of all media, which is what he calls himself and, and how he became the dominant force in radio. Well, I think it's um, it's amazing to me, like I was never a big Howard Stern fan. Like some people swear by Howard Stern. I've never like who cares yeah um until i really got into the radio business uh and so i only saw the movie maybe 10 years ago and i can't remember like i didn't go seek it out like i was doing something that popped up and i was like oh my god this is actually really interesting this is actually cool yeah and um i watched the whole movie i said oh this is fantastic uh movie and then once you get into radio business then you hear about howard stern then you go go do some more some more work about him in terms of figuring out why he, you know, is that 12-letter cuss word. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. It's also interesting because a very young Edie Falco is in this movie about two years before The Sopranos started and anybody really knew who she was. She would go on to play Car Carmela in The Sopranos. Um, you also have Mary McCormick is in this movie. You have uh, future Academy Award winner Allison Janney is in this but one of the more prominent breakouts from this entire movie was Paul Giamatti. And Paul Giamatti, I think now a lot of people are very familiar with him. And he's, he's one of the lead roles on Billions. And he has starred in a bunch of stuff. He was in, you know, he played John Adams in that HBO miniseries. Been in a ton of movies. 
But this was really his breakout role because he played Howard Stern's old program director who he hated, known as Pig Vomit. And he, he showed up and you're like, dang, who the hell is this guy? Like, that dude is bringing it. And so this is kind of what really, in a sense, launched Paul Giamatti, who, you know, a lot of people don't know this. Paul Giamatti's dad was A. Bartlett yeah. Giamatti, the commissioner of baseball, baseball who banned Pete Rose. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I didn't find that out till maybe 10 years ago for some yeah. reason. Uh, but no, I had no idea he was in this movie. Yeah, like, he played. I mean, he's a very prominent role, and this is really his first big, dominant starring role. And and soon after that, you know, he would go on and do a couple of things in some other movies. You know, he was in Saving Private Ryan and The Negotiator and Man on the Moon. I don't remember him in Saving Private Ryan. What did he do? He was one of the guys. He he was. One he of was the, not a soldier, was he? Yeah. Really, I got to go back and see that. No, I remember yeah, him, he's just in it. I yeah. remember him in The Negotiator. But dude, I don't remember him in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, and he's he's good, but he's a great actor, man. Because I can't take him seriously, and he does a great job. Yeah, he's phenomenal, and and you know it's interesting that that movie came out twenty five years ago, and I always wonder. And, and he has said he has no interest in doing this, but you know that was based on a book that he had written, and he had another book that recently came out, which I think was like two three years ago, that was all of his best interviews in his mind and kind of transcribed, which I thought was phenomenal. But I always thought it was interesting. You're talking about th- he's still on the air. He still makes gobs and gobs of money. He has like a lifetime $100 million contract, whatever it is, with at Sirius XM. Right. He only does live shows, I believe it's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then right. they just replay him on Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> but it's funny that he did this movie, and it showed to where he had gotten, and he still has 25 years of radio career that he could go back and do a movie, you know, to connect it to where that movie ended. Dude. No, he's a beast, man. He's a beast. Yeah, and he had been married. Like, in, in the movie, talks about how his wife and how do they put up and how did she live with all that. And then, you know, well after the movie came out, they ended up getting a divorce. And that was, like, in, I think, 2001. He got remarried in 2008, and his new wife is, I believe, 19 years younger than him. Really? Yeah, because he's 68, and I want to say his new wife, Beth, I believe she's 49, turns 50 this year. I think that's right. Oh, all right. But they've been married since 2008. I mean, they've been married 16 years or whatever that is, 14 years. Yeah. Hey. So good for him. Yeah. As Aaliyah would say, age ain't nothing but a number. Getting down ain't nothing but a thing. You got that right. I, I, I listen to Howard Stern every day on my way home from the radio station. Do you really? Yeah. I just, because by that point, Look, Paul Feinbaum comes on after my show, and I'm just not a Feinbaum guy. I've, unless he's got an interview, I, I just I don't get his bit. And so... What don't you get about it? It's just a bunch of callers yelling and screaming at each other that offer no value whatsoever, and I've never understood that. I, I don't get that. Okay. And so most of the time when I get in my car, it's on the station, and Paul's show comes on, and it's... Hey, Paul, can you believe what that guy three days ago said on your show? I finally just got through to talk to you about it, and I, I just disagree. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's so against everything I ever was groomed on in radio. But it works, and I get it, and the dude discovered something and makes millions. So, you know, he makes $6 million a year, so good for him. Oh, good for him, no doubt. Man. And he does good interviews, and he gets, you know, big-name guests, like college sport people all the time, and I like that. 
But usually with Howard, I mean, I'll just flip it over to, to Sirius XM and see what he's got or who he's like earlier today. He had Jake Gyllenhaal was on the show. And, you right. know, I, I listened to that for about 20 minutes on the way home. And then a couple of days ago, it was Courtney Cox. And uh, last week it was, um, God, who was it? It was somebody I was sitting in the car listening to him because they were telling it was some interview that I, I, God, I can't remember who it was now. Oh, it was Ben Stiller. It was Ben Stiller was on the show. And I, I sat in the driveway listening to that for like 10 minutes after I got home. I didn't want to turn it off. Oh, okay. So, right. you know, stuff like that. So there you Nothing have it. wrong with that. Yeah. So before we get into our chat with Todd Archer, let's tell you about another couple of our phenomenal sponsors, including, of course, Smokey John's Barbecue. I know many of you have done this. You've gone and you've gotten your jam session bowl. You guys tweet them at us, and it's still awesome to see how much support everybody has given these guys and how much you all are still enjoying the Jam Session Bowl because it's phenomenal. It's, it's made from scratch mac and cheese or mashed potatoes. You get to choose two different meats that you want to put on it. All the toppings that you'd like on the top of it with real bacon bits and, and chives and cheese. And then they drizzle it with Smokey John's barbecue sauce. It is awesome and only available to Jam Session listeners. Dude, Smokey John's is the truth, man. They're great. They're fantastic partners. Their food is sensational. And guess what? You don't even have to be in Dallas to get a little taste of Smokey John's, man. You can go to the website, click on the marketplace, order the rub, <laughs> order the sauce. Matt got three bottles last week. He's probably so happy he doesn't know what to do with himself. And uh, they get it out to you in a couple of days, man. Yeah, it's the best. I absolutely, I do. I love the sauce. It's phenomenal. I think you're going to highly enjoy it as well. It, they're good people, man. And that's what I love about working with them is they've helped us out and, and we love talking about them. And it, it's Brent and Juan, the brothers that own and run Smokey John's Barbecue. They just do phenomenal. You're going to love it. Swing by. If you haven't gone and gotten the Jam Session Bowl yet and you are in the DFW area, I would just go ahead and put it on your calendar to knock it out this weekend. Hell yeah. I don't care where you're from. Driving to Dallas, right off Mockingbird, walk up to the counter. You'll be nervous because you'll be like, oh, my God, it really isn't on the menu. Okay. Yep, yep. And you'll say, I, um, can I jam session bowl? And they're like, got you. And just, like, awesome. And just follow the prompts. Mac and cheese, mashed potatoes. Smoked chicken, smoked turkey, brisket, sausage. Just, just follow the prompts, man. You ain't even yeah. got to think. Just follow the prompts. And then somebody next to you is going to look up at the menu and then look at you and then look up at the menu and then look at you again and go, uh, excuse me, what is that? And you go, oh, it's the jam session bowl. And they're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't see it up there. And you're like, you got you to gotta know. Yeah. That's how if it'll you know, go. You know. <laughs> That's yeah. what it'll be for you. Literally. If you know, you know. Yeah, so do that. We do it every week here on the podcast, as always, brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group. You can check them out online. Their phenomenal selection at bluestarmotorgroup.com. Our ESPN Cowboys insider, Todd Archer, joins us. And, man, there's so much to get into this week. The franchise tag deadline, as we record this on Tuesday, March 8th, it was today. It, it created all kinds of stuff across the NFL. But the Cowboys deciding to use their tag on Dalton Schultz with the idea, I guess, that they're trying to work out a long-term deal and an extension that he they don't necessarily plan on him just doing the franchise tag, right? I would not say that. Other folks in the media might say that he's going to sign a long-term deal. I am not uh, of that belief as of now. I think when July 15th comes and goes, he'll be playing on the tag this year, and in April we'll see the Cowboys draft the tight end rounds two, three, or four um, to pair with 
Schultz for this year and maybe take over in 2023. I, that's just my, my sense of it right now. Things can change, and the, the fact that these other tight ends have been tagged as well makes getting a deal done even more difficult because no one wants to be the first one to go. So there's going to be just a lot of staring at each other between now and then, uh, and that's that's part of the reason why I believe that this is just really a a tag to tag. It's not a tag to sign. <laughs> it's a tag to tag. Let me see. How do you feel about that? The decision to give him the tag? Yeah, like if it, if gonna... he's playing on if he's playing under ten million, you think okay, I'm cool with that for a year. You're like, ah, that's stupid. I'm okay for that for a year. If he got on the open market, he would have been twelve to thirteen million bucks for somebody. So, you know, you can say the Cowboys for this year are are getting him at a lower than what you perceive the market to be priced. You know, he's he's put up numbers the last two years: 141 catches, 1400 yards, 12 touchdowns. That if you look at Witten's third and fourth years in the league, I think they're kind of on par with what Jason did those uh, seasons. Now, I don't think he's Jason Witten. I, th- I think his he, he may have reached his ceiling in what he is going to be, and I think he's a good, solid outlet receiver for Dak that has a lot of value in this offense. Uh, I do think if he signed with another team for 12 or $13 million a year, at the end of next season, that team's fan base will be saying, why did they give this guy 12 or $13 million a year? kind of like what New England is doing with the tight ends today. Well, maybe more John o. Smith than Hunter Henry. Um, saying, man, why did they give this guy that kind of money when he's not produced? So I, I think Dalton has benefited from the people around him that have, that has created some space. And I don't mean to, but I don't, I don't mean to take a, it's 141 catches. It, it's 78 catches, 808 yards and eight touchdowns last year. You don't sniff at that. You know, that, that's solid, good production. And the only other tight end in team history to do that is Witten. So, um, but I'm okay with the decision to do this. And if it's only a one-year deal on this tag, I'm still okay with it because I don't know if you'd want to lock in long-term three, four, five years at sixty million bucks uh, at, at that long end uh, of that deal. The other news that came out since we last talked to you was the Demarcus Lawrence approach. The Cowboys apparently go to him. He he turns down a pay cut. D- does this mean we can expect that he will be released and they'll move on from him, or are they going to try to figure out something else here? They don't have to reduce his number to, to get under the cap or even to get enough room at the moment. There are other moves that they can make. I don't think this is going to be something that's going to be solved by next week or next month. Um, I, I think this could be something that goes through the off-season program and maybe around training camp to where we're wondering, is he going to be here? Is he not going to be here? What are they going to do? And then we'll find out. Um, you know, I think we've talked about this, right? They're not a better defense if Demarcus Lawrence isn't around. So how do you make it all work when you do have cap issues, you want to add pieces, and he's counting 27 against the cap? and playing 50, 60% of the snaps, and he's not had a double-digit tax season since signing the big contract. Oh, like I, I don't know the, the right answer. I can see both sides of this thing um, and, and how they're both sides want to approach it. Uh, Tamarcus saying no, and the Cowboys saying we want a pay cut, uh, you know, and keep you around. I, I get it, but uh, that's why I just don't think there's going to be any kind of quick, 
uh, resolve of this situation. Resolution, not resolve. Quick resolution right. of this thing. Well, I mean, the object is to try to win football games and win a championship, and you can't just be getting rid of your your better players just because they cost some money. Um, if if your ultimate goal let, is to let win. me be flipping for a second, let me be flipping for a second and say, what if they won with them? Well, this is true. You know, like all the Cowboys fans, how can they get rid of Amari Cooper? Well, they've not won anything with them either. So, again, I, I'm that is not my. That's not me saying this. That's me being flippant and just giving the other side of it. Um, I, I, you're not a better team if you don't have Amari Cooper. You're not a better team if you don't have Demarcus Lawrence. But there is business that is tied into all this stuff. And if we're all bitching and complaining that they've not been to a Super Bowl since 95, and you have all these high-priced players that haven't performed at a high-priced level, well, wouldn't you get rid of them? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you look to move on in some respect? Yeah. I, th- I think you probably would. I'm not advocating that, by the way. I'm just presenting the side. Yeah, I think I'm trying I, to be no, flatulent think, at this thing. Well, that's better than being flatulent. But I think the um... <laughs> God. <laughs> what? <laughs> where, where's, where's that country located on the map? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's near Switzerland. Flatulence. Oh, okay. uh, I'll, you got to look up their flag. Um, I think okay. the uh... is it just constantly waving. I do love the off season where we have time for shits and giggles. <laughs> nah, man, you got you trying to figure out what your replacement is. Like, okay, you haven't won anything with them, but you won twelve games. You got in the tournament. You had a shot. Um, okay, fine. If they're gone, are you a better team? Are you? Can you bring in players who will perform at a higher level at a better level? And I think that's the key. And nobody knows because right. if you let them go, we don't know who they're gonna bring in yet, and we don't know how that person's gonna perform. Uh, it right. just seems like it's just, I don't know, man. It, it looks like after a 12-5 and five season with a really good team, it feels like they're taking a step backward. But it was always going to be that way, right? I mean, they had 21 free agents, so it wasn't going to be a situation where they're going to bring the band back and they're, that they're building for something. Like, go back to 09 when they won their first playoff game. We thought, all right. They're they're building something here. They're they're next year will be their year. Da, 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 you know, no, it didn't happen. You know, in in uh, 2016, Dak and 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 Zeke rookie year, man, they're building something here. Look, they got these young guys coming in, and it didn't happen. So, you know, I forgot my point. Where was I going with that? <laughs> like, you're, like, like you're not, they ain't done. Yeah, they ain't done shit. Right. Like, I mean, so whatever decision you make is only going to be the wrong one because you're either going to pour more money down on this team and think that they're going to be better because you got these pieces or you can maintain the status quo of what you've been in a bad division. And, you know, even if they were to lose Lawrence and Cooper, would they still be the favorites in the division? I got to think so. I, I mean, I don't think any of the other three teams are, I mean, unless Washington magically finds a quarterback. Right. Like Philly made the playoffs last year, so you can make the argument that Philly should be better than them. Whether you believe in the quarterback there or not, I don't know. And, you know, Washington, they don't have a quarterback, and the Giants, they're a mess. They got to shave $40 million off their salary cap from a team that's won four games. So, yeah. so clearly they're not, they're not in a good manner. So, 
I mean, if you're talking about getting in the tournament and having a chance, well, they can still get in the tournament and have a chance theoretically that way um, when you look at the rest of the division. But, again, I'd rather keep Marcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory and a combination of whoever else. But I understand why the Cowboys look at that $27 million cap figure and say, we got to do something here. Jacques and I were talking about this earlier with the way that they look at their own free agents. And in, in how do you view when they come out and they, and they talk about how surprised they are, like, like the market for Michael Gallup is higher than they thought, or the market for Cedric Wilson, and now this thing with Brian Anger, who had a great year at punter, and, and they're going to try to value play the punter position. And it just it, it kind of seems like year in and year out, they always have this, oh, wow, I can't believe that other teams think that this guy is all that great. When they signed Brian Anger last year, were you, were you guys thinking, they got Brian Anger, man, they got a great punter. Hell no. yeah. So, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so, so, they, I mean, the season won't, their success in 2023 isn't going to hinge on whether Brian Anger is their punter or is going to be back. And, and again, I'm not trying to be flipping on that one, but it's a punter. Like, right. you can find somebody to... Maybe not be as good, but if he's going to make three or four million bucks, I don't think the Cowboys are surprised. Like, okay, let's say Cedric Wilson, the talk of the combine was he's going to get a deal ranging from six to eight million bucks. If you're the Cowboys and you have C.D. Lamb's contract coming up, you have, you're looking like you're going to re-sign Gallup. Can you realistically afford that? Realistically, because you, you can always afford it. I mean, it's, you have to make some tough decisions. I would say no. Like, Dorrance Armstrong, the, the word on him is a whole number of teams interested in him at around six, six and a half, seven million dollars a year. Are you going to put, would the Cowboys pay Dorrance Armstrong that kind of money? And would you guys, knowing what we know, what, what we've seen from Dorrance in his time here with the Cowboys, would you guys pay him that money? I think the answer to that one is no. So, Right. So, so it's, I don't think it's that they undervalue their own free agents. I think they, they probably put a more realistic value on their guys because, and now I'm going to ask the question that I don't know the answer to, and that's not a good thing to do. Who's the last free agent that they lost that has gone on and done something where you're like, damn, they should have kept that guy. Are we going to see him say DeMarcus Ware? Okay, that, and that's a generation ago now. That was 2014, right? When, yeah. when he left. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I can't. Your boy Robert Quinn had 14 sacks last year, but okay. the Bears stunk, and nobody knows that Robert Quinn had 14 sacks. I mean, and he I did it in the say, What did he do the year before? Right. The yeah. year before, he had two sacks. And, right. and again, I don't know how old Robert is, but the money he got for that age of a player from Chicago hey, good on you if it works, and Robert Quinn has to go and take that deal without question. So, like, Anthony Hitchens is probably a player that left that they would have wanted to have kept, but not at $9 million a year what Kansas City got him. Right. And and he performed well for the Chiefs. He won a Super Bowl. He started a whole bunch of games, made a bunch of tackles. Was captain last into a really good player. Right. Really good player. But, again, the Cowboys weren't going to pay that but it like the fact that we don't we can't come up with somebody that say wow that was a mistake they did they they should have kept that guy off the top of our head tells you that they may have valued their guys the right way 
Yeah, which I think is a fair point as well because, again, I don't think losing Cedric Wilson or Brian Anger or a couple of these other guys on that level, even if they go somewhere else, like I don't think Cedric Wilson is ever going to have like some amazing impact somewhere. He may flare up and have a couple of games here and there for another team, but, you know, we are talking about a certain level of free agent at the same time. Right, and, and like I, I think Cedric Wilson is going to go and get more money than people think, and he's going to be a 60-catch guy. And, you know, last year he was 45, 46 catches, something along those lines. When he was the, the – based on injuries and guys missing time, he was probably the number three-and-a-half receiver here uh, with Gallup being out, Amari missing the games because of COVID, and, and Lamb uh, with a concussion. So, like, I, I think – yeah, he's a – I think he's a good, solid player that the open market is going to pay him more than what everybody thinks. And then the question becomes, well, how do you replace those 45 catches that he had that, and really the 68 catches, if you get low, let go of Cooper, how are you replacing that? And that's why like, I, I can see them signing a veteran free agent. Um, don't ask me who, I don't know. And draft Some rental cop type guy. Yeah, yeah, that certainly. And then, and then you hope that CD makes a jump to where he's truly a number one receiver um, for a full season, which is something that's not you wrote about it, Jock. It's not something he's done yet. Yeah, doesn't mean he can't. I mean, he's a really, really good player, but. You know, we're, we're talking about that difference between are you going to be a really good player or are you going to be that 12 at a cuss word? And not everybody makes that adjustment. Um, he'll have every opportunity to do it. Clear, clearly the Cowboys think he can be that guy because they gave him number 88. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. There it is. No, they think he – I mean, they're expecting him to be that guy. Right. And it's the third year, and so, you know, if you're going to be that guy – now is the time. And I think, um, I mean, I think he's had two really good years. Like, I ain't bitching and moaning about CD. It's just, right. dude, it's just a difference than when you got that, that number one corner on you every time, when you're getting double teamed every time, and on third and seven, can you make that slant and make that catch? And don't tell me you was trying to run before you caught it. You got to make the catch, dog. Keep the drive going so we can go win this game. And we're saying the same things about Amari, too. Yeah. Right? Can he make that game change and get there are times that Minnesota, he won the game with the fade in the end zone, but there's also been times in big games where he's not shown up too. So then, and he was paid to be the number one guy, 20 million a year. So, I mean, it's Amar, uh, I'm sorry, CD at least gives you the opportunity to continue to grow into that role uh, where I think Amari is a terrific player an outstanding talent can do a lot of different things, but I don't think he's Stefan Diggs. I don't think he's help me out with some other names. I don't think he's got that. He's not, he's not a number one in the way of Michael was a number one. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. I think, uh, I think we all would agree with that in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? And whether that's all his fault or the offense, we've discussed that, like who the hell knows, but, he has some culpability in it. I mean, at least for either not demanding the ball or not getting open or 
Cowboys today, they, they restructured Dak and, and Zach Martin, obviously, and, and Dak had that kind of built into his contract with the void year and all that, but creating $22 million in cap space is what that does for them. But wh- where are they in, in terms of cap space? And, and uh, are there any other moves, I guess, outside of Amari Cooper probably not going to be here that they might be trying to do to figure out how to open up more cap space? I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to look at all the high-priced guys, right? And that's why Lawrence's name came up last mm-hmm. week at the Combine. And, um, you know, Tyron Steele, I don't think you want to touch that. But is that Leo Collins? Is he uh, 100% sure going to be here um, in, in next this season, I guess, 2022? That That's a place maybe that they – because they can look and say, we got Tyron Steele to be the right tackle, so – you got a guy ready to go in their minds, whether they're right or wrong. I'm not debating that, but just in their mind, they, they can say, well, Terrence Steele started 27 games the last two years. He, he can be the guy. Um, you know, Zerline would be a, be a guess of mine, uh, even if the special teams coach would be devastated if the guy was gone. <laughs> or maybe you go to him and offer him some kind of pay cut with a chance to make some money back. Um there's not a whole heck of a lot of places to go to get significant amount of money back. And yeah, they can restructure all these guys and create, you know, $70 million in cap space, but you don't want to, you don't want to do that because it's, because it keeps adding to the cap in the future years. And for everybody that thinks that the cap is just going to explode when the new television money comes in and all the new uh, rights holders things come in with either online or gambling or whatever, the way it's been explained to me by multiple teams, that's not going to happen. It's not going to go from a $208 million cap this year to a $238 million cap next year. That's not happening. It, it will be a continued incremental increase to for the next couple of years to cover the money loss that from the COVID season and the benefits that not through COVID, the last couple of COVID seasons. So that's why I think everybody, oh, just restructure it. There's going to be a huge boom in the cap. That, that, my understanding is that it's not going to be the case. Well, well, well. What an offseason already. Uh, it's a good thing we don't grade the offseason right now. It's, it's an ever-evolving process. Uh, but uh, I think they got a lot of work to do, and it just seems to me that they're in a uh, they're in a tricky spot, bro. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, if you graded it two weeks after the season, you'd give them a high mark. They kept Dan Quinn. We all thought he was gone, right? And then they kept yeah. Kellen. Say what you want about Kellen, he still, uh, you know, I wrote the deal over the weekend with him. He still had a good offense. There's I'm not saying there's not wars there, but you're keeping a guy that's directed the number one offense in points and yards. That seems to be pretty good. Can always get better. The coaches, I'm with you. But now it's like you get to this free agency time and everybody's going to say, the Cowboys should go get the top, this top guy and that top guy. And how many times do they have to not only tell you, but show you that they're not going to do that before you actually believe it. Oh, right? I believe I mean, Brandon Carr, <laughs> not doing Brandon Carr is a large free agent. That's the last big-time free agent they signed. They tried to get Sammy Watkins a couple of years ago. Probably worked out better for them that they didn't get him in some respects. 
Um, that led them to Amari Cooper. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's see. Not next week when we talk because free agency won't have started technically yet. But the following week, when the only people the Cowboys uh, – let me say it this way. Jake McQuaid might be the first guy the Cowboys re-signed in free agency. And the first comment on my Twitter feed when we say that is going to be, Super Bowl, here we go, some <laughs> wise-ass comment. And, like, you know – I mean <laughs> – Right? I mean, that – we know that's going to happen. I know, but you, you got to have a long snapper. I mean, some of these guys you have to re-sign. Right. But, but again – you know what I'm getting. Yeah, no, gonna, I, yeah. Like when they signed Jim Ron Curse last year, did anybody say, "Wow, that's a heck of a signing"? I can't believe they got Jim Ron Curse. And the guy turned out to be a really good player. That was all over. You there. didn't. You, you thought it was Javon Curse they were signing. <laughs> Yeah, and, and no, but that's you're right, and and everybody does that because they'll look at that and then they go, okay, well, it doesn't have to be, you know. For instance, they let Amari Cooper go. Somebody will say, well, well, why not go out and get like a Juju Smith-Schuster or or you know somebody who's that level of free agent who may not be like the premier top level, and they're still not going to do that. And they they've shown, well, I, I think, they may. For, why would well because why wouldn't they do that because I think Juju Smith is going to cost like ten plus million dollars a year. You think they're they're looking for that level of wide receiver? Maybe he's not going to cost that much. Well, if he doesn't, then yeah. I mean, why not? Take a flyer on the guy and see if he can do it here. Right. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I mean, like to me, I, w- I was saying it, it, it seems to be it's more of those, you know, like that $5 million a year and under type guy that they, they tend to go for, unless it's just somebody who happens to be out there, you know, like when they brought in Robert Quinn or whatever that they thought they could get a great deal on because of the situation. Right, that was a trade from the Dolphins, but I, I see your point. Yeah. They're always trying to look to win the deal. Yeah, yeah. Like that, there's no no question on that. Like, I, I'm I'm not, um, I'm not debating it at that point. They they want to win the deal, and they want to be a draft and develop team, um, and use free agency to plug holes, and then draft well. And look, we just talked about they've been twelve and five, they were twelve and five, so they they. They got to be doing something, right? I mean, that's where I, I I struggle. I understand the the angst that all fans have about this team and not getting to the next level and going to a conference title game and a Super Bowl in, in so long. But they do have a good base roster that needs tweaking and needs to get better. And the frustration, maybe the frustration is they're not going out in the midseason and getting Von Miller. And not going to midseason and getting Odell Beckham. Sorry about that. Still got me. Yeah, we're, you're yeah. here. I don't know if you heard my direction thing. Just tell me I can save a couple minutes. <laughs> it's um, good to know. Uh, but that—that's probably more the angst that they—that people don't think that they're going and doing everything they could possibly do. And I, and I, I can't disagree with that notion either. That they, they play it. You know, they do use the cap as an excuse, maybe too much in a, in a lot of people's minds, but it's not like the cap's not a real thing. Right, it, yeah. It's not, it, it's not, it shouldn't be used as an excuse, but you have to acknowledge it, it, its existence. I think the biggest thing is that they just haven't done anything in the playoffs. Like, they've had good teams, and there wouldn't be all this angst if they had showed any kind of playoff success but they haven't and so everything is nitpicked everything is on high alert right because you know 
uh, they've just teased you. You know, fan base has well, got blue balls. And they, have they? <laughs> have they not? <laughs> make that below quote. <laughs> have they not won a playoff game because the roster stinks or other reasons? And you know what the front office will say: it's not our fault. We're giving these guys good rosters. And the coaches aren't doing enough to maximize the talent. I mean, you go twelve and five, you should I win a really playoff game. That. At the very least. Yeah, I'm. I'm not so, really opposed to that thought process. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I think this is always a weird time of the year for fans because most people know stars. They they, they know the big names that are free agents, and and you want that because it excites you versus you know, the mid-tier guys that you may not be as familiar with that every team has to have a bunch of because you can't pay everybody $10-plus million. Yeah, and, and I think everybody, people look at free agency in football in some respects, like free agency in baseball, where everybody you can sign anybody because there's no cap, there's no yeah. ramifications, there's no nothing. So, you know, you're, you're – it's but it's not $1-800 quarter, you know, call a quarterback, right. as Marcel would say. Or call a defensive end, or call an offensive lineman, or call a tight end, or a linebacker, or a safety, or you know, you do have to make judgment calls. And again, the judgment calls that this front office has made the last few years mostly have been the right calls. When you're just looking yeah, at so. a roster roster composition, I think so. I mean, I think they've done a great job drafting. Look at all the guys that were, were like, damn, you can't sign him, you can't sign him. I mean, you know, they're good draft picks who, who developed. Whether you're talking Doris Armstrong or Cedric Wilson or, you know, Dalton Schultz, those were all late, late later round draft picks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, not really. But, yeah, they're all guys that they drafted who performed they, well, and that's why you like to keep them. The only guy from their 2018 draft class that will likely be back is – Dalton Schultz, and that's only going to be for one year. At start, yeah. anyway, right? Well, that's because like, they're good still be back. And Gall- I'm sorry, Gallup. We think Gallup will be back. Connor Williams is well, a second-round pick. I think those are all good players, but they weren't stars, and typically you retain your stars and let your good players walk or your solid players. Because right. that's just the way the NFL and, is built. And, and, you know, yeah, they could have put the fifth-year option on Van Der Esch. Last year, but he was coming off the two injury seasons. So, would you really have wanted to do that? No, I thought nope. he played really well down the stretch. So, but again, so you don't do that. Connor Williams was he in a position where you wanted to re-sign him to a to a long-term deal ever? Probably nope. not. Gallup, Gallup, if he was healthy and didn't get hurt, you probably wouldn't have been able to keep kept him for whatever the deal is they're going to get on him even though I still think it's going to, that number is going to surprise some people. Um, that's your third round pick. Schultz, you keep it on your tag. Uh, Cedric Wilson was a sixth round pick. Dorrance Armstrong was a fourth or a fifth round pick. Like if they had signed any of those guys to early contracts, I think we'd be like, what are they doing? Why are they signing those guys? Cause they really hadn't done anything. Like, you know, before his third season, Schultz had 13 more catches than you did, Jock. Like, yeah, no. so, you know, well, I, I, I think that who's a better athlete. Okay, I was I was capping on that, but hey, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to slip that one past. I, 
Now you sound like Clarence. Now you sound like Clarence. If Chill only didn't have those tight hamstrings, God. he would have been in the NFL for a decade. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Jeez. him and his – what is he going to be, a five, six uh, running back? Hey, he could have been Joe Morris. <sighs> yeah, okay. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> All right. That was a good conversation. I was going to say Lionel James, but he's just – Passed great lately, so I thought I would did do a better he? job of avoiding that one. Little train yeah. died. He did, yes. Yeah. Ah, oh, I feel so bad. Well, now you know. Sorry to break the news. God, I got to pour some out. <laughs> Apparently, may rest in peace. All right, Todd Archer, we appreciate it, man. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, all. Right, see you. There he is, Todd Archer, our very own ESPN Cowboys insider. What a chat with him. I mean, there's just so much to talk about. Of course, as always, he's made possible by Blue Star Motor Group, bluestarmotorgroup.com. We've been telling you about Deb and her husband, Mike. Have you gone to their website and found something for yourself yet? Because Jacques and I do this like all the time. They're so easy to get a hold of. They're awesome people. 817-881-4066 is Deb's number. You can call or text her. 817-881-4066. Superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicles, And when I talk about all makes and models, I mean, they are all over the map, man. Literally, like you you can find anything at Blue Star Motor Group, anything from like the $20,000 price range. And they've got, they have cars on their website right now that are like $110,000, $112,000. Yeah. I mean, Matt may be able to afford those these days with big time radio star. Not me. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. But me, even though I'm pocket watching Matt, uh, no, it's a little above my price range now, but that's for real for real folks that's what i love about blue star man if you go over there they really do have something for everybody okay i've been fiending over that bmw that's the white it's the convertible i've been plotting and planning but uh the thing about it is man whatever you want kids car your car midlife crisis car uh i've made it big time car all you gotta do is call deb and she'll make a deal man uh that's what she excels in Uh, that's what they do best and uh for them it's all about win-win Handshakes are done, the contracts are signed, you drive off, you look at the rearview mirror, they're smiling, you're smiling. Yeah, man, check them out. It's so easy at bluestarmotorgroup.com. Really good people. And again, their cars range from all over the place. They have the mid range cars that are like 35, 40 grand, and, and they've got cars right now on their website 22, 19. I mean, they're all over, and they're all superior quality. You're going to get a great deal. Check them out at bluestarmotorgroup.com or give her a call, shoot her a text, 817 881 4066. And then, of course, as we tell you every time, if you get a Blue Star Motor Group car or you've already got a car, at some point, you got to get that car worked on. You got to get an oil change. You got to get new tires, brakes, all that stuff that you have to do when you're an adult for your car. Sometimes it gets a little bit more serious. But no matter what it is, when you take it over to Freeway Tire Shop, JR and his guys, you know they're doing high-quality work. You know they stand behind their work, and you know you can trust their work. It's like everything you want in a mechanic, you get at Freeway Tire Shop. And that's why I rock with uh, JR, man, and Freeway Tire um, I've taken all my cars there. Some of them have been there numerous times. It's not because the cars are raggedy. It's uh, it's because they need some work. And I, and I don't know how to work on them myself, so I take them to JR because I trust him to diagnose the issue. And then I trust him to, how about this, man, use quality parts to fix it. I trust him to charge me a fair price. And then, most important, bro, I trust him to, to stand behind his work. 
He does those things consistently, and that's why he's got my business for a lifetime. It's easy. It's right there just north of downtown Dallas. Get over there and check out JR. Schedule your appointment. Request your quote online at freewaytireshop.com. And now we move on, and I know all of you want to talk about all of this because the NFL today was one up in each other like crazy. I mean, you, what's, what's wild about this, the NFL yesterday, and, and this blew my mind, we have a player, a prominent player in the NFL, was suspended for a year for gambling on the game of football, and today nobody's talking about it. Not even a blip about it. And I don't know, you know, I, I was talking about this today before all the news broke. Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons. Calvin Ridley was suspended for a year because he made three bets worth $1,500. Apparently, he had parlays of three, five, and eight teams. He did bet on the Falcons, but he bet on them to win. And that is a no-no. For anybody who doesn't understand, I don't know that there's a sport out there that will allow you to wager on that sport. No, it's just dumb, man. And so it's dumb. It's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you had to know gambling was, I mean, that you can't bet on, on NFL games, whether you're playing or not. And so, um, you know, I realize he's been out. Apparently he's had some mental health issues, but that's not an excuse, bro. So it is what it is. You just gave away $11 million yep. over $1,500 bet, which it, is insane. In, in, in every NFL locker room, just like in every Major League Baseball clubhouse, there is a sign that tells you not to gamble on the game. You can't do it. And I get it. And, and you know, one of the things is people go, well, it seems ridiculous to get a year banned for gambling when, you know, the Greg Hardys of the world are, are walking around and, and playing in the NFL after beating up women and only being suspended for six games. Or, you know, somebody like a Josh Brent who has a DWI manslaughter only gets suspended for 10 games or whatever. And this guy just was gambling, which is legal. He legally bet and gets suspended for a year. The problem is, if you don't drop the hammer and let people in the NFL know you cannot do this, it becomes a problem because it, then you're you're talking about the integrity of the game of football where people start going, okay, well, who else is doing this? And how is this affecting the games? And is this pro wrestling? Dude, it's um, all sports has. The only thing sports has is its integrity. Yep. That's all it has that you got to believe that the outcomes are real and that the passion and stuff that the players and the fans put into it, it's all real. Um, and there's enough people who think it's rigged that you can't have any, any hint of impropriety. It can't look anything like somebody's getting over. And so you got to drop the hammer on folks. And they did, man. I mean, a year suspension from the game for Calvin Ridley. But then today the big news broke and it started, the first news that trickled out was the Aaron Rodgers news. Aaron Rodgers, it was reported by Ian Rappaport that Aaron Rodgers had agreed to a new contract extension to keep him in Green Bay. Rappaport reported it was four years for $200 million with $153 million guaranteed that would make him the highest paid player in NFL history at an average of $50 million a year. Then later, a couple of hours after that, and I thought this was fascinating because you, you honestly never see players do this. Aaron Rodgers gets on his own Twitter, 
jumps on it and, and lets everybody know that apparently, in his own words, I just want to clear some things up. Yes, I will be playing with the Packers next year. However, reports about me signing a contract are inaccurate, as are the supposed terms of the contract I signed. I'm excited to be back. Hashtag year 18. Okay, now let's, let's just put it out there. He's talking about Ian Rappaport. We right. put out there that he got 50, 153 guaranteed, $50 million a year. Um, this is all I'm going to say. This is all I'm going to say. Ian Rappaport's a good dude. He has a reputation for just putting stuff out there, and we'll see how much of it is right because there's really no consequences to being wrong. Um, so, but he's he also works for the league, which means he gets a lot of inside information that he ain't supposed to have. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because the league feeds it to him because he's a – I don't care. He's a conduit of the league. And if you don't want to be called a conduit of the league, then you got to work for something other than the NFL network. Okay. And I ain't mad at you because you're getting paid. You're taking care of your kids and your family. It's all good, bro. But that's what it is. Um, so here's all I'm going to say, because, you know, people like Aaron Rodgers, they deal in semantics all the time. Mm -hmm. So when the deal finally gets done, we'll see if it's, Four years, two hundred million, and one hundred fifty-three million guaranteed. Because just because it ain't that today doesn't mean that's not what what was talked about. Because we also know that um, he ain't making this up off the top of his head. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Like yeah. Yeah. those numbers didn't come from. Oh, let me see. I think I would pay him this, or so let me just go for it. Yeah, and I I think because I wouldn't be surprised. Because of the astronomical cap hit that that would be in the course of four years. I mean, even if you just take the guaranteed money, it's 38.5. And you can split that up however you want. You could try to structure it, do whatever you want. I wouldn't be surprised if he's doing something because there's, a, a, there's maybe a year or two void years on the back end of it to where they can spread that out and reduce the cap hit every year to basically when you have these void years, if he gets the fourth year of his deal, then the last two years void, which means he could walk away, but the, the, it still carries on to the Packers cap. Yeah, I mean, they're going to set it up so that it's as cap-friendly yeah. as possible. And the reason why he, he may be able to sit here today and say the terms have not been reached is, okay, we're going to give you $200 million, dog. It'll probably be $153 million. We got to figure out how to – set it up whether it's voidable years at the back or or roster bonuses or whatever so that it, it helps us the most uh you get your money but we got to structure it so it helps the team the most and so that's probably what the holdup is yeah and, and that's why i wouldn't be surprised if aaron Rodgers, like i told you that those weren't the terms it's really six years for 200 but he's going to get his four for 200 and then i mean look dak has a void year on his contract that's why they restructured his contract today and they just right. bumped it back and you know teams will do that because even if there's not an astronomical jump in the cap five years from now the cap should still be 50 million dollars more than it is right now just yeah, if it goes exactly. up 10 years 10 million dollars a year which usually the cap goes up between 10 to $12 million a year in normal years. Now, obviously, it had a big jump from last year because last year was the pandemic. The other thing that that did is as soon as Aaron Rodgers and the Packers came to this agreement, it meant that they could franchise tag again Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams will play on the franchise tag if they can't figure out a long-term deal. It's $20.1 million, which will make him the third highest paid receiver in the game this season, or it will make it about 145000 more than Amari Cooper. 
Yeah, but that that makes sense because they need him and yeah, Rodgers wanted him. And uh I mean all that makes sense to me uh for what they're trying to accomplish. The other thing that's interesting about it is it now causes everybody to kind of raise an eyebrow at the Jordan Love selection. Two years ago, 24th pick in the draft, first round pick Jordan Love, who has appeared in six games, started one. It is now obvious he is not going to play for the Packers. They will not pick up his fifth-year option. He's got two years left on his rookie contract if they don't do that. Aaron Rodgers being there, maybe you just have him as a backup. Maybe you don't. Maybe you Matt Schaub him. You, you do the whole thing where we've had him for a bit. We're going to see if we can get a or Jimmy Garoppolo him, where you see if you can get a second or a third-round draft pick for him and, and see where he moves on. But it's interesting. And, and you know, it, it's... It's one of those things because I saw like Bob Sturm tweeted out about how anybody who's bringing up that that was a wasted pick, Aaron Rodgers saw that as motivation and has had a great last two years. We don't know if he would have done that without it, fair. But then I sit there and I go, you know, the Packers, how about this for a number? The Packers haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round since Javon Walker in 2002. Damn, that seemed like a long time, bro, for, you know. That's because they've had these superstar quarterbacks and they're like, do everything and you just kind of wonder with Aaron Rodgers and and a lot of people were wondering would this be a year that maybe you get a first round pick at wide receiver to go with Devontae Adams to team him up and give him more weapons give him something else and that's what's so wild about Aaron Rodgers that the entire time he's been with the Packers they've never drafted a first round wide receiver and you look at some of the names in that 2020 draft that perhaps they could have drafted at the end of the first round like T Higgins or you know, LaVisca, Chenault, there's a couple other guys, and who knows, but that whole situation with the Packers was really interesting, and then it was as if everybody looked at it, and Denver said, okay, Aaron Rodgers, we're going to drop the real bomb of the day, and the Denver Broncos made a trade, Russell Wilson going from Seattle to Denver, and I got to tell you, man, when I saw what Seattle got back, I And I'll tell you the one piece about it where I was like, whoa. Two first-round draft picks, two second-round draft picks, a fifth-round pick, quarterback Drew Locke, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, tight end Noah Fant. And Noah Fant was the piece where I was like, wow, man, they got they, they got Fant thrown into that. That's interesting because he that's one of those tight ends that's kind of up and coming in the NFL. Right. Well, they had to get something back for a player like that, and that's great. But we all know the story is Russell Wilson going to uh, going to the Broncos with with uh, Jerry Judy and uh, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. Ken, Tim Patrick, yeah, who kicked the Cowboys' ass last year. You got Javante and, Williams, who they drafted out of North Carolina last year, running the football. And now you got Noah Fant, a nice tight end to add to Russell Wilson. I mean, actually, he went there. Yeah. So to Seattle. So you know he's got some weapons, uh, but dude. Um, as I sent you on a text, that AFC West quarterbacks with Mahomes and Derek Carr and Justin Herbert and, and Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah, baby. That's that's nice right there. Yeah, they're not kidding around, man. I mean, that is a loaded division, and it's really interesting. Keep in mind, Denver last year, and we all like to knock Denver and their trash, and they're not any good, and, and, and Drew Locke and, and Teddy Bridgewater or whoever they've had there hasn't been any good. They still went 7-10. and 10. I mean, they were still competitive in that division, and that was a team that was 7-6 and six, and then went out and lost their last four games. They've got potential. they got a lot going on. And, 
they're going to make things interesting. And now we'll see. A lot of folks seem to think Russell Wilson is washed. We're about to find out because he's got offensive talent now. And uh, he'll be energized from playing in a new city with new fans and something to prove. New, new conference. Dude, they have a three-wide receiver set, and Javante Williams is a real deal, by the way. I mean, that dude was a beast last year for them, and I, I have a hard time believing that Russell Wilson is washed. I, I, I don't see that. I mean, he's he turned 33 towards the end of the season, and we've seen quarterbacks who have progressed through their mid-30s, obviously, that have had very, very good years. Russ Wilson, last year, he missed five games. He still went 6-8 and eight as a starter, completed 65% of his passes and had 25 touchdowns and six interceptions. I mean, and that was a down year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that, by the way, that is the first season because somebody earlier tweeted at me, well, I guess Denver, if Russ can stay healthy. And I was like, dude, Russell Wilson last year missed three games. That is the first time in his NFL career he's missed a game. Like he he doesn't have some health question. Right. No, he's been healthy. Remember, he's, he's the master of the pop-up slide. This is a dude that in his career last year, for the first time in his career, had a losing record as a starter. It's only the second time in his career he failed to win 10 games or more as a starter. <laughs> I, I just don't see him being washed up. I mean, I, I think this makes Denver, because I don't really believe in Vegas, and I put him ahead of Carr, I think obviously you're putting ahead of Herbert right now. I think that this puts Denver up there with a team that can be competitive and, and maybe sneak in as a wild card into the NFL playoffs. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all, man. I think they got that kind of capability. Um, they have that kind of talent. And, and, you know, the thing that a quarterback like that does, man, is he provides juice to the building. Um, everybody now thinks that they got a shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, everybody on the team says, oh, we got a shot. So they work a little harder. They practice a little more. They study a little harder. It's everything is about what can we do to give this guy the best opportunity because now we got a legit quarterback leading us. But, man, you look at the AFC, they, they, their quarterbacks are so loaded. I mean, you've got Josh Allen, obviously, Mac Jones, who had a phenomenal season, Tua, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. You've got potentially Trevor Lawrence. You've got Pat Mahomes. You've got Justin Herbert. Now you've got Russell Wilson in the AFC. And it's interesting, and that's, again, kind of when you go back to take a look at the Cowboys – you sit there and you say, okay, Dak, you're in the NFC, and, and really you're the best quarterback in your own division. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is better. It, Matt Stafford, outside of that, it, Kyler, Dak. I mean, Dak, Dak might be one of the top three quarterbacks in his own conference right now. Uh, he might be because it's definitely tilted to the NFC right now. Yeah, because Tom um, Brady just walked away. Drew Brees walked away a year ago. I mean, uh, seriously, I mean, Russell Wilson's out of the conference. When you look at these teams – Aaron Rodgers is by far the best, and then Stafford, Kyler Murray, and Dak in whatever order you want to put them in. Right, right, right. Outside of that, the rest of the quarterbacks in this conference are trash. Take them out. Take out the trash. No. Oh, did you see the thing where Washington apparently made like a hardcore push for Russell Wilson and offered three first-round draft picks as well as some other stuff, but Seattle really didn't want to trade them into the NFC? I didn't see that. Yeah, I think I think Breer might have had that. It was somebody that I saw earlier today that had that. But it's going to be interesting, man. It it never never stops, and we still haven't even gotten into free agency yet. This is all stuff without free agency. 
That's why the NFL rocks, baby. Oh, it's the best. So I think it's a great move for Denver. It's a brilliant trade for Denver. And if you're Seattle, because reports are coming out now that they're shopping Tyler Lockett, it, it's becoming apparent that Seattle's about to go through a rebuild. They do get, they did not have a first round pick in this draft because they had traded it to the Jets in the Jamal Adams trade. So they didn't have a first round pick. They now have the ninth overall pick because that's the pick that Denver would have had. I'll be curious to see if Seattle looks at one of these quarterbacks in the upcoming draft as one of the quarterbacks that they can get to build around and and see what they do as far as really kind of hitting the reset button on what has been pretty damn good franchise over the last decade. Dude, I don't think there's a quarterback out there, bro. Uh, we'll see. Washington's going to take one. I mean, it, it's this is a weird quarterback class. Would you rather trade for Jordan Love? I'd rather draft a quarterback. I, I don't know that Jordan Love is anything. Well, then he's one blessed individual. I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, the dude sat for two years in Green Bay, and when we we only saw him in one start, and he wasn't that good. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, do you take a guy who has already been sitting in the NFL for two years? You know what? Maybe because you could get him for a second rounder, probably. Nobody's going to give him a first rounder. They're not getting that. Bad. Oh, I don't. I don't think you're getting a second rounder. You That's know, and if good. if it, if you can get Jordan Love, who's still only 23 years old, probably you know, maybe you fourth. do. You know, third or a fourth, fourth round pick move. for okay. Fourth, it moves to a third if he plays a certain level. Maybe that's a good spot in Seattle. Maybe Seattle trades with Green Bay. Maybe Washington does. I still think Washington's going to see who's there at 11 and that they're going to take their – I think Malik Willis is going to have something. All right. I think Malik Willis is going to end up – and that's weird because, you know, he's coming out of Liberty, but he originally played and went to Auburn and then transferred to Liberty. I mean, he's a big-time QB. And just everything you've seen coming out about him at the Combine – you know, we'll see. But this right. is a, this is a really weird quarterback class. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, you know, I just don't think that any of them are, are anything to write home about. Well, and it's extremely rare to not have a quarterback taken in the top 10. And right. you look at all these, and basically the last time that happened was 2013 with E.J. Manuel, who went 16th overall to Buffalo. I mean, quarterbacks get taken in the top 10. Teams freak out to get quarterbacks. And the fact that it feels like Washington could be the first at 11, very rare. And it kind of tells you something about the quarterback class if nobody believes that one of them is worth a top 10 pick. But we'll oh, see. We'll see. Um, I just looked at this. This is just, this is just for shits and giggles, as we like to say. Russell Wilson was supposed to count $37 million this year. They're going to save $11 million and he'll be $26 million in dead money next year. Yep. That's a lot, bro. Yep, it is, but it's still not Carson Wentz. No, he was $33.8 million. Yeah, and how about Carson Wentz, by the way? Because apparently the Colts are, like, you, you read about that, and it looks like they're going to get rid of him. And, shocker, from what I saw, it's because of off-the-field things, nothing on the field. The dude can't lead men. He's not a leader. Okay, Matt, let me, let, me, let me ask you something. You know, we often discuss our show amongst each other in front of you guys. Yes, bring we you behind do. The curtain. <laughs> um, I've been fascinated with this, man. And I think we should just start doing a weekly segment. Especially now, it's a little slower time of the year during football season. Matt's hearing this for the first time, same with you guys. I think we should bring an astrological birth chart segment to the show. And, and we could do it in the sense of this. Okay, what's the knock on Carson Wentz? He's not a leader of men. Yeah. Let's go look. Let's go look at his birth chart and see if his birth chart shows us 
why he's not a leader of men. All right. And we and, and discuss it like that and just pick people every week who are in the news and in the sports world and just go astrologically. We're going to look at their birth chart and talk about why they are this way yeah. or that way. And here's here's a good example. Again, if you don't know what a birth chart is, just go type in birth chart. Go look it up. Type your birthday, your city, your name, your date. It'll tell you not just what sign you are, Capricorn, Cancer, Virgo, whatever. It also tell you about your moon and your Mercury and yeah. all these different things correspond to how you act in different ways. But I was listening to the ticket, I think. The other day, and they were talking about some ticket stock years ago when they had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on, and they were talking about how he was this misunderstood guy, and he, you know, he never felt comfortable, and he's yeah. always at war with somebody. And it just, I just looked at his chart, man, and his chart was nothing but Pisces and Aries, which means he's very sensitive, he's very emotional, and he wants to fight with everybody. And I just go, if you look at his chart, it explains exactly why. He is the way that he is. Well. So anyway, so anyway, that's okay. that's my thought uh, for something fun and interesting and different to do over the next few weeks while we uh, deal with the football offseason. Well, maybe we'll do that with Carson Wentz on the next one. Because now I'm fascinated about why he can't lead men. Yeah, and it'll say, whatever it is, it'll say negative traits of this particular birth are very difficult, yeah. poor leaders, whiny. Yeah. And it'll, who knows what it'll say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm curious or, you know, it might be, you know, he's emotional or he can't, you know, he prefers to stay in the background or he's too temperamental or he's detached. And so that's why he can't connect with people. I don't know because I haven't looked at it. I'm just curious. You know what you should do? We should go and look at it and be like, when was the franchise of Cleveland born? Like on what date did they start the franchise? And then we'll look and say, you know, wow. tough life is, probably will suck a lot, you know, stuff like that. And then look at Philadelphia, be like angry, Dude. horrible place. They should leave their location. <laughs> You're crazy, but I, I like that. <laughs> All right. That's the podcast for today. A lot to discuss, a lot that we covered. I enjoyed it. And we will talk to you guys again coming up on Friday. Clarence Hill Jr. will join us and. Who knows, man? I mean, the NFL, if nothing else, has shown us that just because it's the offseason, well, there is no offseason in the NFL anymore. They're just may, maybe in that gap between the last camp and spring and, and uh, fall camp in July, right. there's like maybe three weeks where nothing's happening. That's about it with the right. NFL anymore. Absolutely right. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.